Let's do this, the Cult of Hockey podcast, by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm Bruce McCurdy of the Edmonton Journal's Cult of Hockey, and I'm here tonight with my colleague Kurt Levins from Pender Island in BC, where he has been enjoying the Edmonton Oilers 7-1 beatdown of the Calgary Flames tonight. Welcome, Kurt. Hello, Bruce. Uh, good to be with you. I'm four points better tonight than I was two nights ago. <laughs> Well, eight points better if you think two four-pointers, you know. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> so a real hard-fought affair tonight, I thought, for for the first while. Calgary was really bringing it hard in the first period and and, uh, and seemed to be carrying the play in Edmonton's zone uh, for much of the time. But then Edmonton would unleash Secret Agent 97 and <laughs> he would take a hold of the puck for uh, five or ten seconds and... Uh, and a red light would go on, and the goal horn would blare, and a big number would go up on the scoreboard, and it seemed to keep on happening. So it was yeah. a uh, a tour de force, uh, and a, a a great performance from uh, Edmonton's captain on a night where, in playing back to backs and going a little bit short staffed, which we'll also talk about, uh, uh, to get that offensive cushion in uh, in the you know first part of the game was a gigantic portion of this game. So of course we'll be talking about secret agent 97 and uh, a few other good things that happened tonight. But uh, uh, we're going to go with two good things each, of course, with it being a resounding Edmonton win over Calgary. We could probably go with three or four good things each, but we'll stick to two. And two bad things, one each, and two numbers. So, Kurt, let, I'll let you kick off with the uh, with the first good thing. Uh, well, I want to talk about the goaltending because I think we all know um, 10 days ago uh, there was a goaltending controversy in this town. Uh, mm-hmm. We had, uh, we had uh, our, our young uh, AHL goaltender in the Nets. Uh, we had lost our, our third-string NHL goaltender to waivers. Uh, the guy that we had claimed on waivers, we lost him on waivers. Uh, and uh, Mike Smith was hurt, and Miko Koskinen was was either dead tired or not playing well, or a little bit of both. Uh, and all of oil country was up in arms because yep. uh, here we are, another year out of the playoffs, and all because Ken Holland didn't do his damn job and fix the goaltending problem in the offseason. Mm. Well, Fast forward to Saturday night, uh, and Miko Koskinen, fresh off a 43-save victory um, over the Calgary Flames and the second of back-to-backs, that is his second win in in consecutive starts for Koskinen. And, of course, Mike Smith has won four out of his last five. Uh, Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, we see Smith and Koskinen playing at the top of their game. And suddenly we see the situation we saw last year when this, when this club was getting really good goaltending were that the two guys were complimenting one another. Uh, when one guy was playing well, the other guy was getting some rest and staying fresh. And suddenly we've gone from woe is me to, wow, we got two goalies. Uh, and so that, I thought that was really the good thing out of tonight. Um, Miko Koskinen wasn't the reason we won tonight. Uh, I thought um, those 43 saves, the 44 shots on that, um, score effects were in play early and often oh, in this one. Yeah. Let's be honest about that. Yeah, and I think and, and I think a lot of the chances that, that Calgary 
uh, registered weren't great A chances. Certainly early on, there was a few more as, as the night wore on. Um, but the fact that he was as solid as he was, uh, facing that much rubber, not letting in a softy, um, I think it's what a, what a huge development for this team. And, I, and you know what, I had someone point out to me that, you know, Miko Koskinen, because he is the size and style of goaltender that he is, that the technical aspect of the game is maybe bigger for him mm-hmm. than a more athletic goaltender, such yep. as Mike Smith. And so if you're playing all the time and your coaching staff is doing your best to try and give you a breather, give you some rest, which God knows he needed, well, he might be getting the rest all right, but he's not getting the reps on the ice. He's not getting the extra time with his goalie coach. And all of a sudden, maybe you're just a quarter of an inch off. And at this level against elite competition, because these are the best players in the game, a quarter inch off means you're off. Uh, and I think we, once he, once he started to feel the fatigue, I think we saw that in Koskinen. Yeah. Now that he's had a number of, of proper practices and some good time to look over some film and go over some details of this goalie coach, all of a sudden he looks sharp as a tack again. So, um, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty up on our goaltending these days. And as I said, uh, um, what, a, what a turnaround from 10 days, two weeks ago when, uh, we were playing Stuart Skinner uh, in above his head because we kind of didn't have anything else. So pretty nice development and a good performance for, for big Miko tonight. Yeah, that's for sure. And I mean, one of the, uh, one of the truisms about goaltending is bigger goalie, bigger holes. And that's where the technical mm-hmm. aspect uh, comes in that you've got to seal off those holes and seal them off while you're moving, while you're dropping, while you're, you know, responding to the puck that you're not opening stuff up and the pucks were starting to beat him in tight to the body and mm-hmm. that didn't happen tonight and in fact that they they weren't really beating him anywhere now were they so since mike smith came back he's only had two starts in in seven uh but in both of them he came in on a back-to-back night where his team in front of him was tired from playing the night before and uh, on each occasion, he faced over 40 shots. He made 40 saves in the 3-2 win in Ottawa, and he was the reason they took that game, in my opinion. And then uh, tonight, 44 shots, 43 saves, and he did get lots of goal support. So the outcome of the game was was uh, was not in doubt, but uh, he kept stopping pucks and frustrating the Flames at every turn. And this in the game, officially the shots were 19-10 to 10 in the first uh, 14 to 8 in the second, 11 to 6 in the third. So wide disparities in favor of Calgary in all three periods. And mm-hmm. the Oilers, uh, they did have some trouble getting the puck out over their own blue line. And there were some extended pressures by Calgary. But for the most part, the shots they were taking weren't from the grade A scoring chance areas. So we uh, agree. Yeah. Uh, Koskinen was standing big on the outside shots. He got lucky one or two times, and he got, uh, but mostly it was because he was filling the net, and they couldn't find any holes in him at all. So uh, a stellar performance by uh, uh, by big uh, Miko Koskinen between the pipes for Oilers. And by my count, they've now given up, uh, they've won their last seven wins in a row, which is they had two losses sprinkled in there, which were both six goals against, where the things broke down and came apart. But their other, their last seven losses or wins in those nine games, they gave up two, one, or zero goals 
in each mm-hmm. of those games. And I think a total of nine goals against in the seven wins altogether. So some stellar performances. I mean, back-to-back nights of holding the Flames to a single goal yep. and sweeping the series. That's just golden. So let's uh, turn to my first good thing. That's going to be the obvious, as I often do with my first good thing. And uh, tonight the obvious is uh, Connor McDavid is on another level of hockey from Mere Mortals. He, he was something com- else tonight, Bruce. Wasn't wasn't that a display? He uh, yeah. This is going to be a ten in my player grades tonight, which is not something I've given up very often. But uh, tonight's performance from McDavid in just seventeen minutes and thirty five seconds of work. But let's face it, the work was all done in the first half of the game when he got primary assists on the first two Edmonton goals and then scored the next three himself to stake him to a five one lead. And basically from then till the end, it was garbage time. So Coach Dave Tippett called off the dogs and, and gave McDavid a chance to rest on the bench. And they, you know, and when they got a power play, they put out the second unit followed by the third unit. Jujar Kara was on the power play <laughs> in the third period. <laughs> yeah, so McDavid did not get a chance to expand. I mean, halfway through the game, he was halfway to Daryl Sittler's record, right? And in a different game or a different era, they might have been putting them back out over the boards time and again to see what to take a run at that record. But in this case, the focus here is not so much on records. It's about winning hockey games. And it's about winning the next hockey game as well as the one in question. So giving McDee a little bit of a breather and uh, his line mate, RNH, who only played 1647 tonight. And that was, uh, uh, you know, in the third period, those two guys didn't see a lot of ice at all. And... So that was a, a nice um, sort of benefit from from running up the score early. And I thought McDavid, you know, last night he was pretty so-so, right? And I think you graded him a five, and I think you got it right. Yeah. And uh, we were both saying, well, you know, he's got another level to bring. And tonight, with his teammates playing back-to-back and running shorthanded, because I know early in the game they were down to five defensemen, and they were later down to 11 forwards, that the best way to give his team, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, was was to provide the cushion, put the goals on the board, and dispirit Calgary. And Calgary was after, you know, a very strong push early in the game. They were they grew, I think, increasingly dispirited as the game went along. And uh, McDavid, I mean, the goals, I mean, the two assists were both brilliant passes. Mm-hmm. Uh, cross crease passes for for uh, to open guys. One was a tap in by Chase on one. You know, Nugent Hopkins had the yawning cage and time to put it in there. Yeah. And then McDavid started taking matters into his own hands, where he hadn't scored a goal in a few games, and he scored one deflecting a point shot out of midair and beating Riddick. And then both the fourth and fifth Edmonton goals were just masterpieces of of deception, of stick handling, of puck control. I mean, he just came, he swooped in and he stole the puck off, was it Hannafin? Hannafin, uh, yeah. At the uh, center red line, chipped it off his stick, controlled it in his own skates. He almost overskated the puck, but he was able to pull it up from his from his uh, skates to his stick as he crossed the blue line. He came in and he looked past, 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 wham! And all the time, his stick blade was open. He was dangling, 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 doing that dusting of the puck that he does with incredible speed, where you'd need one of those high, high 
performance cameras to catch all of the dangles as he goes around that puck. And at no point was there anything to this old goalie's eye that telegraphed that he was going to shoot that puck. Unless your clue you were looking for was the fact that he was trying to pretend he wasn't going to shoot the puck, in which Mm -hmm. case he did it perfectly. (laughs) I've watched that replay six or seven times, and I swear, even when he shot the puck, I don't think he was looking at the net. It was really something. Yeah. No, he wasn't. Then the the fifth goal where he came out from behind the net and he, again, just just magical slate of stick where he was dangling the puck and, and surveying his op- options while uh, uh, while uh, stick handling at the approximate speed of a hummingbird's wings. <laughs> and then the hole opened up in the net miner and bang, into the corner it went and bang, off to the bench went Calgary star goalie Jacob Markstrom having been been lit up for five goals on 15 shots and you know you want to talk about shooting efficiency Dave McDavid himself was credited with three shots on the night and they all all went in the net Uh, and he was like to my eye strong defensively he was good on the faceoff dot 67 percent and there was no real weakness in his game and and just for his complete transcendent dominance in the first half of the game. He's not just the good thing, but he's the full 10. Was his second natural hat trick in the Battle of Alberta, I believe? I think his first one was October of 2017, if I remember right. Three-nothing win when he scored all the goals, yeah. That's a natural hat trick if i ever seen one. No kidding. Yeah, so. you know, as as I was watching tonight, as as you know, uh, I'm I'm a I'm an old Bobby Orr fan from long ago, uh, and uh, I never got tired of watching Bobby play the game, uh, mm-hmm. and I was always amazed at the speed with which he could execute in both mm-hmm. directions, mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I've seen another player close to that until mm-hmm. Connor. The speed with which he plays the game in both directions. Uh, and he's, I think he's at that level and he may have eclipsed number four. I just, I've never seen anything like it. Well, our colleague David Staples, he made a, what was to me an eye opening observation about McDavid when he was still a junior before the orders had even won the lottery. And we were talking about how good McDavid was. And he said, he's Bobby Orr playing center. Mm. And it's like just such a simplified way of looking at it. And I'm sort of going, yeah, yeah. what would Bobby Orr look like a center? Something yeah. like that. You know, it's a really cause... good point because Bobby was another guy who actually skated faster with the puck on a stick. Right. So, yeah, the, yeah, yeah the, the yeah. similarities abound. And the fact that Bobby ended up representing Connor is probably not an accident. So it's mm-hmm. uh, so, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And I'm sure everybody watching the podcast tonight does as well that was a transcendent performance and uh if it's a 10 you certainly won't get an argument from me yep that's we all all the numbers that we give have a have a uh have a parallel word that they describe and the number we we used to call 10 perfect and then we realized there is no such thing as perfect no matter how good a player plays yeah so we changed the word to transcendent meaning well above and beyond just merely outstanding which is nine Mm-hmm. Ten is just a game that's on another level, and this was one of those. So, I've given, I think I've given three tens okay. the entire time I've been scoring games for the Cult of Hockey, mm-hmm. and I believe all three were Connor performances. So, 
No, I've, I've only ever given up. I'm sure it's less than 10. I've been doing this for, this is my 11th season of player grades now. And I've only, I'm very, uh, I'm very cheap, parsimonious at giving out uh, <laughs> 10 grades. I, you know, I like the nines and, and uh, I save the tens, but uh, I save them for nights like this. So. Well, you know what? I, I love that we save them. I often get questions from people saying, mm-hmm. oh, don't you think that was a 10 tonight? And I, and I explain to people, we save the 10s for truly special performances. Yeah, so right. that 10 really means something. And I, I, I certainly think it's deserved tonight. So, Right on. Well, okay. So let's, uh, now that we've established that uh, McDavid is, uh, is at, a, at another level, <laughs> uh, let's move on to your second good thing, and we'll move back into the merely human category. And uh, <laughs> have out or Kurt. What's your second good? Who is your well? Second good this mere human uh, has been superhuman the last two games. Uh, so my second good thing is Darnell Nurse. And as you mm-hmm. and I know, there's an element in oil country that that they're not Darnell Nurse believers. And after having yep. watched him over the last two games. Um, I really wonder if those people are now going to just kind of, you know, sink into the woodwork because how do you ignore the performances that he has put on the last two games, 30 minutes and one second last night when Dave Tippett chose to really run his third pairing light and really went with four defensemen and, and Darnell really carried, carried the water, uh, in, in that game. Then on back to back nights placed. 32-54 tonight. Whoa. So the guy has played over a regulation game over the last two matches. Wow. All against the other team's best competition. Um, a fair bit of power play time. A heavy emphasis on the PK. Um, really no choice but to play him for a big chunk of those minutes because on the first night, I guess there was a choice, but again, uh, Dave decided to go with four defensemen. Tonight, Slater Cuckoo played one shift and he was out for the night. So right. really, Darnell was was going to be taking those extra shifts on the left-hand side all night. Um, at this point, watching this player play at this level and shoulder that much ice time uh, within the context of back-to-back games and still perform at that level, how can anybody argue that... Maybe he's not a true number one defenseman in the NHL, but how can you possibly argue that the guy is not a legit top-pairing NHL defenseman? From what I've seen the last two games, the argument's done. Darnell Nurse has put that one to bed. Let's, let's move on to more pressing matters because clearly this guy has, has risen to another level in his career this year, and good for him and good for us. Yeah, I like the degree of control that he showed out there tonight. Like time and again, he would just take command of the puck in his own end, and you know, rather than than um, rush his play, he would he would take command of the situation and you know see what his options were. And I think he's starting to to find that space where he 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 knows that he's got more time than he used to think he had. Yeah, and that. Um, and that rushing in, into a play or just jumping into action, uh, you know, trying to carry the puck out under duress is not necessarily the way. That the way is, a big part of the way is to conserve energy. If you're going to be playing 30 minutes a night, you can't be going pell-mell for all 30 minutes because 
you're going to hit the wall at some point, and uh, uh, especially two nights in a row, back-to-back games over 30 minutes is just mind-boggling. Well, the phrase and, that pops into my head for when we talk about defensemen like that that can handle mm-hmm. that kind of workload, the phrase we often use is rocking chair. Right. And I think it's pretty hard to say prior to this season that we've seen yeah. Darnell Nurse in the rocking chair much. Mm-hmm. He's always been way more of a high-event player than that. Mm-hmm. But a number of times, including these last two, I think we could say he's been in that in that rocker. And uh, he, he has a long way to go before he, he ascends to the, the great NHL defenseman. But he certainly played like one of them for the last two games. And so that's why he's my, my second good thing. Yeah, well, two more assists tonight. Uh, I think officially, they're saying plus three, but I think officially that'll come down with plus two. There was an error in the in the assignations there. Six minutes and 47 seconds on the penalty kill. <laughs> and this was a penalty kill. You know, they, the reason Slater Kukuk was in the lineup was that he was the fourth penalty killer. Yep. Well, guess what? He left the game in the first shift. And then, get, so they're down to three defense penalty killers and then on at least one of the penalties one of those three was in the penalty box so they were heavily reliant on nurse and uh adam larson who also played 647 on the kill and the Oilers gave up zero power play goals to the flames and with that i'm going to segue to my second good thing which is in fact adam larson who if you look at the possession numbers you'll think man that guy had a brutal game the puck was in the Oilers' end the whole time they didn't get uh uh, they didn't have a lot of possession, and then you. But the puck in Oilers' end is where Larson does his best business. They weren't necessarily getting the puck out. The forwards were having trouble getting it out, but Larson was going to the boards, going, joining the battle time and again, and crunching every flame that that came within reach. Officially, he had ten. Count them. <laughs> Ten, ten hits in this game tonight. Uh, and I was saying to my wife, you know, partway through the third period, I was saying, it's. I think he's going to reach double digits. And I hadn't seen any of the event summary at that point, but I was not mm-hmm. at all surprised to see the ten because he was just mashing and crashing. And there was, you know, other battles that were just shoulder to shoulder that weren't necessarily hits. But he wasn't losing those battles. And he was... Uh, um, uh, at, at minimum, keeping forcing the play to the outside along the perimeter where they couldn't really do a lot of damage. And uh, more than a few times, he just out- outright won the battle, got a hold of the puck and made a play to clear it. And that happened, especially on the penalty kill, when those possession numbers don't necessarily tell you a whole lot. But you have the key defensive play to stop the cycle, get the puck down the ice and change or, or not change if you, if you don't have another guy <laughs> ready to come out for you. And uh, he was, uh, uh, I thought, indomitable tonight. And he played 24 minutes and nine seconds tonight. And I think he played 24-11 last night. Mm-hmm. I mistakenly in the podcast said Chris Russell when I meant Adam Larson that played the 24 minutes yeah. and change okay. last night. And it was uh, just another repeat performance tonight. And he brought it and he brought it hard. Man, he would be a tough bastard to play against, wouldn't he? And again, when you when you take it in the context of back-to-back games, uh, Nurse is the one thing, but we all know that Nurse has natural skating skills. Larson mm-hmm. doesn't. And right. all that PK time, those are hard minutes. Yeah. So the, the fact that Larson was still performing at such a high level at the end of the game with all those miles after 
after you know just about 50 minutes of ice time that's that's pretty impressive for a guy that mm-hmm. that isn't that isn't the best skater on the team yeah and and even with the big lead in the third like he never let up it was just grind grind crunch crunch yep good call make the play so he uh and nurse are going to get very high grades from this game as well and uh Larson, for his part, uh, I believe he was plus two in this game as well, despite the uh, shot disparity. And, uh, uh, you know, the Oilers won his portion of the game, despite being under heavy pressure for a lot of it. And to me, that's uh, in a game where score effects were such a such a big factor in the, what the shot clock said, you can't really you can't really trust it. I mean, it's it's I've made this comparison before. It's like that football game. Where the one team jumps out to a 21 nothing lead in the and the early going with the, with some big plays maybe a pick six and a kick return or something and they play prevent defense where the other team will pick up the yards and if you just use yards as your yardstick of uh, who's controlling the game you say well that quarterback passed for 450 yards and then yeah and he got from his 20 to our 20 a bunch of times. And then they couldn't, you know, penetrate the red zone to put the ball in the end zone. And all he did was kill the clock while he was doing all that possessing of the ball. And, and that's kind of what happens in a, in a one-sided hockey game sometimes where the, the shot clock and the possession metrics are rendered more or less meaningless. It's going to be interesting what happens if, if uh, Cuckoo is out and it, and it looks like he might be. That didn't look good. Um, you'd, you assume at this point, uh, that, um, while personally I've been one to agree that Caleb Jones is the odd man out. I I think this does open the door for him now. It'll be an interesting, it'll be an interesting decision though, won't it? Because I think Larson and Russell have been really good together. Mm -hmm. Um, but do you really pair Caleb Jones with Evan Bouchard? Um, that's a that's going to be an interesting call because that isn't I really like both players particularly mm-hmm. Bouchard but that isn't a third pairing that would be high on my list of things to do so it'll be very interesting to to watch and see strategically how they put their pairs together because it it sounds like the other three well Bear hasn't been on the ice he right. he hasn't been skating at least with the rest of the team um, and neither has um, what a bummer. neither has Lagason who has the wrist injury. Right. So uh, it'll be an interesting call going forward here. Mm. Yeah, I mean, no Bear, no Larson, no uh, uh, Cuckoo. And all of a sudden, your nine defensemen, just like that, have become six. Boom, we're six. Yeah, and, exactly. And I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, if unless they have someone that's closer to returning than you and I think, we might be hearing Theodore Lindstrom coming up from, uh, from yeah. Bakersfield just to be a seventh in yep. the coming days. So it's a good thing they had nine after all. Maybe it was a good thing that they... They sheltered those uh, younger defensemen and carried that extra, you know, all their extra roster players on the blue line. It's starting to look a little more wise now that the inevitable injuries have started to to take effect. Especially if Winnipeg ends up putting Anton uh, 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 Forsberg back on waivers. <laughs> but we'll see if that transpires, but it sounds like it's a pretty good possibility. So. Right on. So let's move on to quickly... Uh, our uh, bad things, one each. Uh, so you go first. Well, I'll I'll pick the Flames goal. Um, and and can't have those. Boy, <laughs> I I watched that replay over and over again, and 
I think Dave Tippett made the absolute right call Mm -hmm. to challenge that goal. I don't blame the referees on the ice. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's a tough call in real time, but what replay was the war room watching? Um, in, in what parallel universe is that not goaltender interference? Was there some contact between yep. Nurse and Kachuk? Yeah, there absolutely was. But if you watch the play, two things happen. One, the player went in the opposite direction from which Nurse pushed him. Yeah. And two, you can see the player's legs extend as he pushed himself into the goal. He knew exactly what he was doing. Mm -hmm. Now, in the big scheme of things, it ended up not mattering much at all in a in a seven to one game. But you know what? There there are two reasons why that goaltender interference call is there. One, it's to determine whether a goal is legal or not. Two is to protect your goaltenders from Mm -hmm. that kind of shenanigan for going on. And in my opinion, all the NHL did by allowing that goal, as I said, in the end, it's immaterial in, in, in the ultimate outcome of this game. What they've done is they've said to, to Matthew Kachuk, it's just fine for you to do that to another goaltender. Go right ahead. It's perfectly okay. Uh, and it, frankly, it's bull you-know-what. Uh, and, and I'm, I watch my language on Twitter, but I'll admit, I, I I let that BS call fly tonight because I really thought it was an awful call by the war room. Uh, and I was almost ready to forgive and forget after this, after the seven, one game, but I've realized I'm still upset about it. (laughs) So I'm, I'm, there's not that many bad things that we have to complain about other than the one, right? I mean, it should have been seven, nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I thought it was a really soft call on, on, on dry settle to put them on the power play to begin with like a real softy, but then Tad insult the injury to, to, to allow that was just, I was just apoplectic. I'm a little better now. <laughs> so, so that was my Still bad. sound like you're kind of not happy. Uh, anyway, it was, uh, to me, to my eye, um, Nurse definitely did initiate contact, and that's why I'm sure why they decided to let it go. But mm-hmm. Nurse was trying to push uh, Kachuk past the left, Koskinen's left goal post. Yeah. And Kachuk actually managed to go all the way across the net front and push Koskinen's right leg inside of the right goal post and kind of turned Koskinen around while Manjipani came in to clean up the uh, clean up the mess. Yeah, it was a 45-degree turn. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, it was pretty yeah. blatant. And it was, uh, you know, just like Nurse, he pushed Ryan Kessler into the crease that one time too, but he didn't cause Ryan <laughs> Kessler to grab Talbot's pass. pass. Right. And yeah. I'm still livid about that four years later. <laughs> you and me both, and I'm friend. I'm going to take that one to my grave, man. That yeah. was just brutal. Anyway, uh, this one tonight was not anywhere within 0.001% costly <laughs> as that one. But it was still enough. And especially when it's an opponent that, you know, you have a, a healthy, possibly unhealthy dislike for, like a Kessler uh-huh. or a Kachuk, that gets away with one and you're just kind of... <sighs> so... My bad thing is the uh, uh, the two injuries that sent mm-hmm. two orders down the tunnel. Uh, Slater Kukuk in the very opening minutes of the game, he played just 14 seconds before Sam Bennett skated right through him with a high, heavy, uh, I thought pretty borderline dirty hit, frankly. Me uh, too. That called a two-minute interference penalty, the same that Leon got for, 
for tapping a guy's stick in the neutral zone. One injured a guy and put him out, and the other one was inconsequential. But hey, two minutes is two minutes, I guess. But uh, but losing Kukuk so early in the game and on the back to back, and I'm going, oh no, these guys had logged all these minutes last night, mm-hmm. are already facing the the specter of having to play down a man on the blue line tonight. And if you're thinking you're going to get, you know, Nurse down to 25 minutes and uh, Larson down to 21, well, that just went out the window. And that's yep. where the McDavid putting the putting the big number on the scoreboard early was such a such a huge uh, thing. But losing that guy and, and being one of their penalty killers. So when they ran into a series of penalties later, uh, it was... Uh, you know, it was too few guys that had to do it. Uh, I thought the penalty they killed after the unsuccessful um, uh, goal interference challenge was huge. If Calgary had scored there to make it 2-2, that would have mm. turned the game significantly. And that was a big kill, and it was a clean kill. They did a lot right on that kill. Yeah, really good catch, I agree completely. And then halfway through the second period, uh, Takara Yamamoto... Uh, and trying to clear the zone, got sandwiched. He got uh, hit right between the five and the six in the back by uh, uh, whichever flame it was that went to the box. It was Lindholm, was wasn't it? Lindholm. And yeah. he knocked him right into that big guy, Buddy uh, Robinson, who mm-hmm. managed to bring his elbow up and smack him in the side of the head. So I'm very concerned that might be a head thing. And they, it was probably an issue. He went right down the tunnel. And... Uh, it's Leading from the nose, he, he would yeah. Oh, I didn't see that. He would have yep. had to uh, uh, to be in the quiet room for 15 minutes, and it may have been a matter of in a different night he would have been okay to come back. But they said it's six to one. Take your skates off, yeah, and, and uh, rest up in the third period. We got we got other guys who can handle it. So it's it, you know. I thought that one was it. the I thought that was the dirtier of the two checks. Honestly, mm-hmm. Yamamoto taking it in the in the in the numbers. Uh, to me, that's. And as close to the boards as they were, like how's that not a dangerous hit? And then he, but the fact that he got the double whammy literally when he ran the, into the blunt end of uh, Robinson's elbow, and I think that was a defensive maneuver by Robinson. Like I don't think he was trying to take his hat off. I, just I think agree. He saw the guy coming and he was just responding to it. But yeah, uh, I, I agree. It's it's Lindholm when, that I had the issue with. When Robinson is yeah. six five and Yamamoto is five six or whatever, <laughs> one guy's elbow is another guy's head, you know, and it it doesn't have to come that high to to make solid contact. But uh, and then the Oilers took two more penalties right after that, and it was mm. it was six one, I think, it was six one by then. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And, Russell uh, took the one, and, and, and Russell took one, and he was a defenseman, and they were already shy of penalty killing defensemen. I thought this is going to be a tough kill, and then Archibald took one, and they were down that penalty killing forward in Yamamoto, and and again it was sort of they haven't got enough guys really to kill this off with any kind of a normal cycle, and if Calgary mm-hmm. pot one here, you know, it gives them some life and stuff, and they they made their way through those two two uh, kills, and that was really the last time Edmonton was in any kind of danger really. I was just looking for something when you mentioned that because I believe when Russell went to the box, I think I think Barry took uh, one or two PK shifts there, yeah. which isn't what we acquired him for and not what he's known for. But uh, mm-hmm. I thought he acquitted himself quite well in that situation. Yeah, well, even Evan Bouchard played one twenty one on the on the PK, and when you've got Cook in the dressing room and Russell in the penalty box. 
you've only got four guys left to kill the penalty, so you're going to, you know, so they did. And, of course, they did have the fairly safe lead, but they put him out there, and then he also got some time on the PK in the third period when it was. Yeah, I, I was going to say one of the real positives, other than the obvious things that we've al- already talked about, is they were able to give Bouchard lots of ice and in all three situations, which is all really good growth opportunity for a young D-man like that. Yeah, well, he played uh, 18 minutes and 28 seconds on the night. And without having his time on ice uh, page handy, I would guess that close to half of that were probably in the third period where they yes. cut him out there a lot. And there was absolutely yep. no reason not to after they, after Nurse and Larson and the others had done the heavy lifting that they had for two games. Yep, for sure. So, so uh, one last uh, category, and that's our numbers, one each, or one set of related numbers each and so i'll let you go again have the lead kurt what is your number uh seven uh seven is now the gap in the standings between the edmonton oilers and the calgary flames and if you if you prorate that over an 82 game schedule Mm -hmm. at this stage in the season that would mean that the oilers have a 12 point bulge Mm -hmm. on the flames uh you and i talked uh, before the weekend started you know dare to dream But yeah. if you could sweep these series, all of a sudden you put meaningful distance between mm-hmm. yourself and Calgary and be damned if they didn't manage that. Now you've got a seven point edge um, and Calgary is, is they're, they're looking up at Montreal because the Habs are in fourth place now, but Montreal has a game in hand on Calgary. And so now the the Flames and the Canucks, I think they're tied with 17 points. And Ottawa has nine, right? Um, It's not too early in the season for those guys to be super concerned because now that's a big amount of points that you have to claw back. Uh, And so uh, having that gap at the end of uh, a back-to-back where you could just as easily lose both as as win both. Uh, Mm -hmm. The result that we got was the best one possible. Uh, both wins in regulation, so yeah. no Bettman points handed out. Um, oh, all of a sudden, here's here's this team. We we went from being out of the playoffs to uh, mm-hmm. in second place, reasonably in a comfortable position at this point of the season. Dare we say? Uh, so yeah, seven point gap on the Flames, who I picked to be a playoff team this year, um, is pretty significant. Yeah, well, Edmonton is—they've uh, played 20 games, which is the most, except for Vancouver, who's tw- at 21. And now, after their three-six and zero start, uh, they pulled it all the way up to 12-eight and zero with a nine-two uh, run. Uh, all of a sudden, the orders are plus 10 in goal differential. Mm. Uh, and after, uh, you know, they did sweep Ottawa and they swept them twice. Uh, once here, once there, but against the the uh, teams that were basically deemed to be in the hunt, which is all the other teams in the uh, Canadian division, they were playing split, 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 and to finally get a sweep yep. against uh, one of those teams, you know, that's a that's a huge difference maker. There hasn't uh, been the a season. bunch of them this year, has there? No. Yeah. No. So that, uh, you know, that 12 and 8, I mean, you can say, well, the four games above 500 is the four against Ottawa, and you wouldn't be wrong. But everybody has those games. You got to win them. Not everybody yep. has been winning them, and the Oilers have. Ottawa's beaten some teams, you know, including so the they Leafs. Beat Winnipeg. They beat 
Toronto, they beat Montreal. That's the three teams that are uh, in the top four along with Edmonton. They've all blown a game or lost a game to the Senators, and yep. the Oilers haven't. So. Yeah, and I mean, the Senators are all a bit out of it, and Vancouver's in major trouble having played that many games and only having 17 yeah. points. The Flames aren't is in as bad a shape as Vancouver yet. No. But you know what? They sometimes say, you know, towards the end of a losing streak, you, you, you play and you deserve to win, but you don't. Well, that that's not the Flames right now. They, they look like they're in disarray. There's something wrong. I don't know what's up, Bruce, but there's something wrong in that dressing room. And I don't see them pulling out of this dive immediately. So they're in, they're in some kind of trouble, even though I know we're just a third of the way through the season. Yeah, well, Vancouver smoked them uh, 5-1 in Calgary. Mm-hmm. And then the Oilers beat them 2-1 in Calgary. And I think uh, it would be fair to describe Calgary's performance last night as lackluster. Yep. Like, it wasn't, a, you know, it was a, a quiet, controlled game. And it was, it was a frustrating game to watch, but it was a whole hell of a lot less frustrating to watch it with a 2-1 lead as it would have been with a 2-1 <laughs> deficit like the Flames yeah. were with the clock just grinding and grinding and grinding down yeah. and no progress being made. And tonight, you know, they, they did come out and they, and they made a, a hard, heavy effort and their, and their, their big meanies played like big meanies in the, mm-hmm. in the early going and, and uh, Edmonton withstood that and then just... Uh, Brushed them aside, really. I mean, well, seven well, to one. Wow. well, you know who was invisible? I mean, there wasn't a Johnny Goudreau setting all night. Like, uh, did he play? Yeah, he, he played. He had the puck a few times. He distributed it, but he didn't really do any... any uh, he didn't break anybody's ankles tonight like he did that one uh, yeah. time last night. I thought he was pretty ineffective. Yeah, well, uh, I'm just going to be happy with, with the win and that the... Uh, <laughs> Calgarians are heading back down Highway 2 with their tail between their legs after getting thumped on Hockey Night in Canada. It's, uh, yep. It's uh, not quite as satisfying as the 8-3 from last year, but tending in that direction. It'll do, yeah. <laughs> It'll do. So my number, uh, I mean, the 10 hits from Adam Larson is certainly a number, but I'm, I'm just going to go with, oh, I had it too, 3 minutes and 29 seconds. Mm. which is the amount of time in this game that the score was tied. And once Edmonton scored on that power play, courtesy the Sam Bennett hit, and Edmonton power play retaliated, the best way to retaliate against a cheap hit is not to go out and take a penalty back as you try and punch the guy. It's for your power play to go out there and hit him where it hurts in the net. And the Oilers power play did exactly that. Uh, popped one home at the uh, at the three, jeez, uh, bad memory. Three twenty nine mark of the first period of that very early penalty, and they were ahead to stay. They extended it to nothing. Calgary got one. Edmonton got a key one back to make it a two goal bulge at the end of the first, and then they just stretched it out from there. And this was after last night, uh, only five forty one was that game tied. And Evans took the lead to stay when uh, Pugliarvi scored to open uh, open up the account in the uh, in the two one win that Edmonton made it two nothing. Calgary cut it but couldn't close it. And so Edmonton playing with the lead for throughout the weekend. And this has been a problem for Calgary. Well, uh, good. That's their problem. They, the thing for the Orbs <laughs> to do is to take advantage of the other team's problems. And if they're having trouble getting going at the beginning of the game, jump them. Get on them. Yep. Get, get ahead of them. 
Yeah, and the and Oilers have more first-period goals than any team in the NHL right yes. now, do they not? So, yeah, so. So, so those are, uh, uh, I think that covers the waterfront for good things, bad things, and and, uh, and numbers for tonight. And uh, I'm going to sit in and enjoy writing these game grades, which uh, is going to take a little while to sift through the, the rubble of my notes from that game. But uh, it... Uh, uh, it, it's going to have a. It's going to be a happy story of a, yeah. you know, with the exception of those injuries. That's always a. That's always a drag at any time. You know, uh, one other thing. Either I, team guys getting hurt. I hate injuries. I'm. I'm the same. Absolutely. You know, one other thing I'll throw in is that I thought Matt Kachuk had had an impact on the game tonight. Mm-hmm. I did. Uh, let's just to be fair. I did think he showed up. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So so good for him. Uh, but my point is the Oilers never took the bait. Right. And, I, and I think that's been a long learning process with this guy. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's, it's really easy to, to take a stick or to take a poke and give one back. Mm-hmm. But I thought there was lots of opportunities tonight. You mentioned Darnell Nurse. There was a number of times where I think the old Darnell, Darnell Nurse would have poked him one. Yeah. Uh, and there yeah. was one long stare off between Kachuk and, and Alex Chason where I kept waiting for Chase on to, to just level him, but didn't. And mm-hmm. you know what? On a night like tonight, it's like, don't, don't give it back. That's just what he's looking for. That's a, having been in that position, that's a difficult thing because you want nothing more you than want, to pop you that want guy it. one, right? <laughs> yeah. So, you and know, you know there's that some... he do the old flopperoo and get the, get the right? power play. Absolutely. He's, he is the straw that stirs, that stirs the drink on that team. And so if you can turn the other cheek when he pulls those shenanigans out of his hat, you're going to benefit from it. And they, they did tonight. And then you just chase him into Adam Larson's corner and uh, <laughs> let the events unfold as they should. Man, did boom, Larson boom, bash boom, him yeah. a couple times. Oh. Yeah, he sure did. I enjoyed every one of them, too. <laughs> yes, sir. So, well, I enjoyed this hockey game, Kurt, and I enjoyed this conversation. So uh, thanks again for filling in. Uh, uh, boss uh, went away for the weekend, and we got a back-to-back <laughs> sweep over the, the Battle of Alberta to uh, uh, to savor and, and chat about, and uh, each get a turn at doing the player grades, and, and uh, uh, all hail to the orders. This was uh, this was an important <laughs> step forward this weekend. Absolutely. So, uh, well, nothing nothing replaces Dave and Bruce on the Cult of Hockey podcast, but I'm sure happy to play the third wheel, and it's been good fun for me too. Yeah, so thanks for, thanks for nice inviting to, me. Nice to have a nice to have a uh, another <laughs> option that one that one or the other of us can take a night off on occasion. That's once other things do come up. So, so thank you very much for talking tonight, Kurt. You betcha. It was good time. Great. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.